Welcome to class. You are the, the Super Saints at 315. Easier, you'd, most of you probably want to be body surfing at uh, Zuma right now, which I totally get to, so that'd be great. Well, that was supposed to be a joke and no one laughed. How about that? Um, everybody, I'm Scott Lambert, and I'm the Executive Director of the Let's Start Talking and French Speak Ministries, and it is a joy to have everyone here today. I know some people are going to be coming in as we go, but we wanted to get started. Would you join me in prayer? And uh, let's start this off right. Father, thank you for this beautiful place. And for all of us to be invited to come every year to study scripture, to think about the church, to think about big things, to be engaged in ministry. For all of us, it's a great pleasure. Thank you for Pepperdine and Harbor all the good that comes from this week. So today, I pray that um, the people that are here have ears to hear and to be engaged and encouraged with us about what God is doing around the world. And so with that in mind, we start class today with uh, a plea and an expectation that you will be here and that you will touch hearts as they need to be touched. In Jesus' name. Well, I want to call some people up, even though they don't want me to. Uh, Craig and Leslie, come on up here. Come stand by me. Mark and Sherry Lee, come on. Come on up here. <laughs> They're the ones that I knew that wouldn't want to. Kim, come on up here. Uh, just for a second. Um, we are the Let's Start Talking and French Speak gang that's here so far. Tomorrow will be two more of us. Uh, we wanted this to be, um, we wanted Pepperdine... I keep saying Bible lectures. I can't quite get Harbor in my mind yet, but Harbor to be a very special place for us this year that we invest in deeply. And so I want you to see all these faces. These are some of the best people uh, that God has employed in ministry on the face of the earth right now. Uh, you're going to hear a lot from Leslie, but uh, Craig tomorrow. Craig and Ben Woodward are the focus tomorrow. Leslie and I are today. Leslie and Craig Altrock, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Friends speaking, let's start talking. You guys are amazing. This is my better half, Kim Lambert, and um, uh, we came three years ago to take on uh, the role of uh, leadership, and let's start talking, and we're all leaders, so we, we don't go by lots and lots of titles, but what an honor for us to do that. Um, Kim and I are Californians. We left Hilltop Church of Christ and the University Church of Christ. Those are the two places we've been for 30-plus years, and moved to Texas, which we love. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Woo, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, I want Kim works in all things administrative, which is really wonderful. And then these two newcomers over here, Mark and Sherry Lee Woodward, uh, were the visionaries that God used to start this worldwide and and now nationwide ministry. And so they're going to share a lot on Friday. So we've got quite a lineup here for three days in a row. Hi, Pete. Jeanine. Hi, Pete. Good to see you. There are a lot of family in this room. Uh, Pepperdine, let's start talking uh, connectivity points. Uh, but there's also a lot of new interest in this room. People, some of you have said, I'm coming to learn. So we're going to do both today. Uh, we're going to talk about things that some of you know, but I want your hearts to be stirred. And then for some of you, um, this is a truly a learning time for a method and a place and a time. So I wanted to see all these faces. We're going to add Casey Williams and Ben Woodward tomorrow. Uh, and they're all going to have parts to, to go with us too. Hey, thanks everyone. Um, 
Here we go, Leslie. Come on up here, you and I. Let me just say that we are totally honored to have everyone here. We throw out acronyms all the time, and we apologize. We, we are an alphabet soup ministry, like so many things. LST is Let's Start Talking, which primarily, well, LST is the umbrella organization for everything that we talk about today. LST started 40 years ago, and Leslie, I don't, I'm not going to your spot, that's yours in a minute here, but we've been sending people all over the world for 40 years, all kinds of places, you're going to see that in a minute. And then uh, when people started going overseas, they started coming home and saying, why aren't we doing this in our neighborhood? Because the same situation exists down the street, across the street, around the corner. And LST then decided to create something called Friendspeak. So those are the two things we're going to talk about today. And Friendspeak is when we do this particular method uh, in our neighborhoods in America. You're probably here for both, and I'm going to hear me out loud and clear. We're going to encourage you to do both because one feeds the other, and it goes back and forth. And we'll talk about that today. Uh, Twenty years ago, Craig and Leslie Altrock came to Let's Start Talking, and they have made a huge difference in the world. And so my coworker today is Leslie Altrock. Thank you, Leslie. So um, the title of our class, I'm not interested in faith, but I love what your church has to offer. And so um, this next year, in 2020, LST will be celebrating our 40th birthday. And um, as we think about our 40 years together, we're kind of thinking about it in two generations. That um, generation's about 20 years, and we had um, two kind of unique generations that... um, that we have um, experienced over the last 40 years. And so I'm going to take us on a little bit of a historical journey um, to show this. Why do people uh, like what our church has to offer? And how is that impacting uh, local churches around the world? And so we're going to do that by looking at 40 years of ministry. Uh, That's one of the blessings of being around this long is we are able to see some trends be able to see the impact of a seed planting ministry. So we, we know we're on the front end of all these stories that I'm going to share today, but um, I'm excited to kind of be walking through this with you. So to get started, um, just our LST historical review. So um, I'm calling this 40 Years of Intentional Conversations. And over the past 40 years, and these numbers are mainly about our international work because that's what we are capable of really keeping stats on. Our domestic work is so organic, (laughs) it's very hard for us to, uh, we just get to hear about good things that happen. We don't have the numbers that support it. So I'm kind of doing this a case study based on our international work. But over 40 years internationally, we've sent out over 9,000 workers, um, read, with over 95,000 readers. So those are our international friends. That is us sitting one-on-one in conversation. We have sent over 2,000 projects in um, the past 40 years. So um, just a little bit of work has happened in the past 40 years through this, but I just, I just think that's staggering. And when I'm talking about um, these uh, intentional conversations, we're talking about sitting one-on-one with someone um, having a conversation, um, the international person comes because they're interested in improving their English. 
we are available because we're interested in sharing our faith. And so how are we putting these two things together? We're using intentional conversations to do that. So, um, so I want to just show you, so in the first, uh, our first generation would be from 1980 to about 2000. Uh, during that first 20 years, we sent out over 20, over 2,000 workers read with over 27,000 readers in these one-on-one settings. We sent out 480 projects. And in that first generation, it was mainly college students going for six weeks. So um, working with different campuses, starting at Oklahoma Christian, um, going to York, a lot of our Christian schools, and then to campus ministries, sending teams. And mainly they would go for six weeks. And um, to share what the fruit of kind of this first generation, I want to introduce you. This is Joel and Kristen Osborne. And Joel was a student at York, Nebraska, when his brother, John, who worked for LST, invited him to go on an LST trip. That was his first time to um, have any thoughts about missions. Joel said yes to that trip. And... Um, he went on a trip to Japan, then he went on another trip. He ended up doing four trips while he was a student, then stayed at York and did some recruiting for us. At York one summer, we had over 50 students from York, Nebraska go on a project during this time, kind of our first generation. And um, Joel made a five-year commitment with a group of friends to go for five years and uh, do some Initially, he said they, they thought they'd go and teach English, but the uh, church there asked them, would, would you just come as a missionary? So um, here's a group of uh, seven of them that over the years served at different times, but this five-year commitment for Joel ended up being a 17-year commitment. He's still serving in Mito, Japan. And um, when I was talking with him, one of the things he told me, he says, um, he says, I can confidently say I had no intention to be a full-time, long-term missionary. I can also confidently say that God worked through LSC to help encourage and nurture that passion. Things that we learned and used in training. One, the word is the teacher and we are the illustration. Two, our work flows out of our worship. Three, mission first, team second, me last. Uh, four, non-confrontational approach. Five, seed thoughts, et cetera, et cetera. He says, these have shaped me and continue to serve as a foundational principle, both consciously and subconsciously for me to this day. And, um, and, and so as we were talking, he says, but what I really want you to share about, he says, I, I, I appreciate us sharing about him and his 17 years, but he said, I want you to share about these people. He said, these are six of the nine that he's personally baptized in the last 17 years. And uh, this guy here, in, he baptized him. Um, I think you say, so I'm terrible in Japanese. Just so you know, I'm American. I speak one language, English. So why I work for LST, I, I wonder at times, except <laughs> for I can speak English. But so this is, I think it's um, Hiro and his wife, Megumi, maybe something close to that. Anyway, um, he baptized them. They are now his co-workers in Mito, and um, they had um, got some biblical training. And so now, instead of him having American partners, he has his Japanese partners who became Christians because they came. 
as LSD, but he told me, and there's a lot of words in here I have trouble with, but I'm going to read it to you. He says, the greatest thing to share is not my story, nor the story of my American teammates. I would have you share the story of um, Akio, who was not only the first person I ever baptized, but also I performed her wedding and still lives as a follower of Jesus in Yokohama. She came to the Sendai Church to do LSD as a grad student at, from the university. But maybe you want to share about Gaku, who also did LST as a student from the university, and he was baptized in September 2009, and who has since graduated from a member equipping course at the Japanese School of Evangelism and serves as a deacon at the Mito Church now. Or how about uh, Marama, who was my neighbor in Sendai, who came to do LST and was baptized just two years ago at a church that she and Debbie Holberman, who's also a former LST worker uh, to Thailand, a grad of York, who came to Japan, just side note, to attend. What just happened? Okay, sorry. Um, or how about my friend Yuki, who messaged me just two weeks ago and was baptized at church in Sendai on Easter Sunday. She first joined LST in the summer of 1997. She studied with Katie, from York, then Crimson, then with me, and then with Ben in 1999. She became one of my best friends. She really helped us get settled in life in Japan and helped teach us Japanese. God answered a 21-year-long prayer last week when she gave her life to Christ. So how humbling that is to read those words and think the first generation is still producing fruit because we're a seed planting ministry. We are having intentional conversations. We are, you know, none of these people came to those churches because they were interested in faith or religion initially. They all came because they needed help with English or there was something that that uh, worker was offering them that made them come. And then we were intentional with our conversations. We sat down with them. We shared with them Jesus. And as a result, we see uh, that churches have grown. And that was just one person from the 2000 that went out in the first generation of LST. And um, you can multiply that story. We don't even know all the stories, but that's just one person and their journey from our first generation. It's just so amazing to think about and be able to look back on and know that these intentional conversations changes people and changes their lives. So then we move into our second generation, 2000, 2020. So our second generation was definitely one of um, a lot of growth for a lot of reasons. Um, so it was our second 20 years of conversations and I put around the world and across the street. Uh, we, during this time we sent out over 7,000 workers, read with over 68,000 readers. I just, I, I can't even comprehend that number. 18,000 projects went out just in the second 20 years. And some things that happened in the second generation was um, where the first generation was primarily focused on college students, we started also sending church teams. Um, a lot of our college students that came back, they said, well, why do I have to stop going just because I um, have outgrown <laughs> college? And, um, and a lot of um, our retired folks said, well, we wanna go. And not everybody could go for six weeks. So is this gonna be effective doing this shorter? Um, so we started putting together two to four week teams. A lot of times they might go back to back to each other or maybe they go every month to a site. 
Um, we put that along with our college. We still have our college six-week teams, but we also have some college three-week teams. Um, so that really upped the number of people who could go and be a part of this. We um, also, um, Friends Speak really started during this time. So during the first generation, what was happening is our alumni would come back and they say, I'd want to do this with my neighbor, and they would. But then um, they would get two or three or four, and then they would say, well, I can't do all of this. There's too many people interested. So how are we going to train them? How are we going to help our local churches do this same thing here locally? And so Friends Speak had its starts in the first generation, but really became Friends Speak as a set thing in the second generation, where um, we started sending um, people out to train full churches how to do this, and we started seeing things. So one of the things uh, one of the fruits of this, and I love this story, is I wanted to share about Wendy Woodward because uh, Wendy was attending ACU and um, was not interested in what ACU had to offer. And you'll, I'm going to share a video. You'll see she says, I left ACU because they just kept inviting me to things and I was not interested. It was taking away from my study time. But then she ends up in Dallas and let's see what happens. starting a friend speak program at your church and if you don't know what friend speak is it's basically just a way to uh, uh, read a short lesson from the Bible book of Luke uh, you help let them speak it we practice let them read a little story uh, practice help them that's a really pretty picture <laughs> great you look great Craig's father. seed thought and so we would try to plant that seed and see what God did. God always does things that you don't expect and he brought us Asians. We had Asians from uh, Taiwan, China, Korea. Uh, one of the first few students that, that came was Wendy, uh, which is now my wife. I grew up in the northwest part of China on the farm where my parents had a grape orchard and uh, both of my parents are atheists. Actually, my mom became a communist when she was even a teenager. At school, we were taught there's no God, and we believe in evolution. We were taught to be believe in yourself and work hard. We never heard about God. We never searched for Him. I searched the website on American University, and ACU came up on the top. My first, my school, um, that I studied with uh, in ACU, Abilene Christian University. So naturally, I was surrounded by many Christian friends. I would go with them as a, a 
me as a way to know more about American culture. So many people invited me to go to Bible study and uh, uh, fellowship and all kinds of activity. I think that took away lots of my study time. Actually, I wanted to get away from those friends um, at that time, so um, I transferred to Dallas in Dallas is UTD. I, I got away from my Christian friends for almost two years and later on um, my one of my friends from ACU came to Dallas. She invited me to church. One day she called me uh, about the friends speak that uh, her church was starting and uh, uh, since I was a, a software engineer working in front of computer all the time, I wanted to practice my English very much. So I accepted that invitation gladly. And uh, so I went to French speak and started reading um, the book of Luke. And uh, um, gradually we uh, read about the uh, great feast, uh, God's great feast. And I found myself in that story. I thought that was me because I had so many excuses for not coming to church. And uh, so I thought maybe every story is about me and uh, I want to see uh, what God wants to tell me. I happened to read about Peter going out to fishing, to go fishing, and they fished all night, didn't catch anything. And next day, uh, Jesus called them, follow me. He gave Jesus a chance to walk and uh, he let Jesus uh, to lead him. And I thought, I probably need to give Jesus a chance to walk in my life too and I'll see what kind of fish I can catch. So from that time, I just decided to get up half an hour early every morning and read Bibles and read the Purpose Driven Life and keep journaling and uh, started praying. And uh, two months later, I just uh, I told uh, my worker, at that time it was David, I told him, I said, I want to be uh, um, like Jesus, I want to be baptized. And we normally finish lesson in half an hour. The rest of half an hour, we would share our lives together. And he would share with me his uh, mission trips to orphanage uh, in Russia and Ukraine and uh, all kinds of things and just uh, so I sensed a deep love from um, his heart for the less privileged, for the poor and for the lost. That attracted me, uh, his heart, the uh, heart of uh, Christ to search the lost. Uh, I remember a wise friend once told me if you look for a husband, uh, find someone that will love the uh, poor, love the underprivileged, and if he uh, love the strangers, if he can do that, and then think about how much he can love you. After she became a Christian, um, Wendy had invited me uh, to go with her uh, to China. We got to just tour the coast, see her homeland, and see her country. As soon as we came, got back home, we started dating. We got engaged uh, the following uh, Chinese Valentine's Day and uh, then we got married. When I was baptized, I um, called my parents and uh, my families and telling them my decision. And my parents always trusted my decision, so they said, okay. Two months after she stayed with us and visited church, she told us, I want to be baptized too. 
and she was baptized, I was fired up to um, to tell my friends about Jesus, and uh, that has been my greatest pleasure to uh, introduce Jesus to other fellow Chinese and other friends. And now they, um, her and David, are strong uh, friends speak leaders at a church in Dallas and um, have brought hundreds of people to Christ through their work. And most of um, Wendy's family that lives in China has now been baptized and are Christians. And so you can just see from one worker who read with one reader here locally that it has a, had a profound effect um, in that area that they live in in Dallas, but also around the world. And, um, and so in the second season generation, Friendspeak has just really exploded. Um, churches all over across the United States are using it as a way to get people who don't have an interest in what the, uh, in faith or religion, but they have an interest in this. And um, they're coming uh, in droves. And then uh, being able, a lot of our Friends Speak workers are working on university campuses where they're reaching out to the Chinese, to um, Muslims in their communities who are going back home. And so um, you can have a huge impact um, not only locally through the Friends Speak ministry but also internationally. And so um, it's, and in the second generation as we're looking at that, I wanted to share one other story. This um, one of the things we're seeing in the second generation of LSD is where our readers are and how they are impacting the local churches wherever they are. So this is Kostya, and he is in Bielitserpa, Ukraine. And he was first an LSD reader in high school, just graduating from high school. He ended up becoming a Christian. He ended up going to Bible school. He's now the preacher at the church that hosted that first LST team that went to Bielitserpa, and he is sponsored by the church that sent that team. So it's a really great way of just seeing how God is working in our world to bring um, leaders and um, even provide them with things. And he's one story of somebody in leadership, but we also have this in uh, Croatia. One of our LST alum, he'll say he's an LST convert, is president of the Churches of Christ too in Croatia. So he is representing Churches of Christ to the Croatian government. In Bangkok, Thailand, the people who are running the uh, campus ministry there were first LST um, readers who had no intention of being where they are today and now they're the leaders and they are hosting the LST teams. And then we have like in Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, they say that over 80% of their members uh, first came to them because of these intentional conversations. Um, here's a list, I know this is really small, but this shows all the different sites that have hosted LST teams for over 15 years. You'll see um, Cologne, Germany has the highest um, hosting LST teams for 25 years. Buenos Aires, where they said 80%, they've hosted for 24 years. They have a very good follow-up program and you can just go on down the line. All these churches consider LST as an important part of their outreach to their community. And so um, we're always looking for teams to go there and to help them because they need these initial intentional conversations. 
and then they do the follow-up and they water it and then they harvest it and then they get um, strong leaders in their congregation so it's a great way if you have um, connections with the church um, your church supports uh, that's one thing in our second generation we stop just sending our church teams just anywhere a lot of times we send them to their supporting congregation and you can go visit meet your missionary and work along beside them they don't get to just show you around you get to work with them so um, over the 40 years we have hosted and worked uh, we have worked in more than 320 different sites internationally um, and so and then today oh and also during the second generation we've had several other like outshoots happen we have internships where our host churches said hey we need some help following up can you send someone to work with me for a year and um, we started internships where we'd send college students or even adults who have a gap year or something happening in their lives to go and work at one of our LST sites and do some LST follow-up um, and so and then this is actually morphing into our third generation we're going to call it, this is calling it pathways um, where we're given a lot more mentorship to our um, college students and Scott will talk about that a little <coughs> bit more and then also young friends um, that is um, having uh, our youth groups go and go for maybe a week to ten days sometimes two weeks and um, we have we put them in small groups to do this but they go they work with teenagers in their local place um, in their sites and um, are able to have these intentional conversations what we you know so many of us have a heart for our young people as they're leaving home but have we given them the opportunity to share their faith have we guided them this is the perfect way through young friends are going on a trip as a family to um, give them the opportunity to share their faith so that as they go into college they have they've done that they haven't just talked about it. They haven't just known they're supposed to. They've actually done it. They've sat down across from a person and they've had an intentional conversation about what they believe. So um, we're, we've sent lots of families on LST teams and um, it's a great way to go and um, teach your kids how to have those kind of conversations. Um, in 2018, um, we equipped <coughs> 908 workers the 330 of them were our international workers and um, last year we did keep stats on who we trained with friends speak so we trained over 575 people just in 2018 um, and this is just a map of all the places this was just in 2018 of places that we went and um, this continues to grow already in um, 2019 we've sent a team to Vietnam that's not up here and we have several new places. Our family's gonna go to a new site in Poland this year. So there's a lot of new places, but we also continue to send teams to these sites where we've been for all these years. So it's really exciting um, as we're looking into our third generation of ministry that um, these numbers aren't getting smaller, they're getting larger. Our invitations are getting larger and um, we need more people to go and we wanna train more people <coughs> to have these intentional conversations so that more people can come to Christ and um, and so we're just so grateful to be here at this time so as you can see all these people we've talked about today they didn't come because they were interested in faith <coughs> or religion they came because we had something to offer them that they were interested in but we were intentional about what was going to happen with them so Scott come and talk about third generation or thank you 
Um, we get emotional talking about these things, so I got a teary-eyed over here, and I've only seen that video 50 times. You know. uh, any guesses at why there is one reason we do hesitate to show that video every once in a while? Any guesses there? What's that? People cry. Well, people cry. No, I love tears. We don't promise that you'll get married if you do LST. That's, that's our only hesitation with that video, and we've kind of teased David and Wendy a little bit, but we love that video so much that... Um, it is that question that, that is formulated this class. I'm not interested in faith, but I love what your church is doing. So, well, for a few moments, um, I would, our, we have a three-day class, right? So I would call today the, the what we do, okay? Tomorrow is pretty powerful. How we do it is tomorrow. So, man, if you come tomorrow, you're going to get in one hour about four hours of training. We've decided to just go hard with how we do this. And then on Friday, the why, and of course that's a little backwards, right? But we felt like the what, how, and why lineup was, was pretty good. So let me tackle a couple of things with what. And, and let me put a little different hat on. Let me actually take off the executive director hat and let's talk a little bit about church life. Okay. Um, I was a leader here at the University Church and Campus Ministry for 21 years, Josh. Was I? I was your last year. I ran out on you, didn't I? Yeah. Give me an idea. Yeah, I my, my sophomore year. Sophomore year, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, when Kim and I then served uh, 10 years, 11 years at the Hilltop Church of Christ in El Segundo. So for almost 30, I was an elder down there. You know, you get old, they make you an elder. It's awful. <laughs> so I got a couple of hats that I, I put on. I want to put on the church leader, church influencer hat. Because all of you fall in, in, in those titles. You might be a church leader, Pete. You've been a church leader for a long time. Everyone here is a church influencer. And I want to talk to that side of our brain for just a little bit. And... Um, and I'm going to do it in stories and pictures and kind of some thinking. But I want, to, I want to say this. It's important to continually nudge and nurture your church and your people to find mission in their life. And that's a hard thing to do. So I want to put three words up here on the board. And... This is, well, I want to, I want to put, I hope you can see that. I want to put the word up here, method. I want to spell better than I can, too. Method, there we go. Um, do not think that LST thinks that we're the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind. As a church leader, you have to have four or five methods that you use in your environment, in your context, Josh, I picked on Josh a moment ago. Josh is one of the campus leaders at Oregon State University. Their methods are going to be different than, say, an inner city church in Los Angeles or a church in Peru or an inner city church in uh, Memphis where Jim and uh, Beverly have worked for years. All of us have to come with some methods because methods give you the tools to go out and serve and to work and to get your people on mission. I know I'm saying things that we all know, but as a church leader, I kind of came to, to realize how hard it was to get people 
in the pews to just get on mission in their life, to share their faith in some way, to grow the church, to help the church be a, a dynamite piece in the neighborhood, a catalyst. And so when Kim and I were deciding whether to come and be part of this, we felt like this was a method that we could give our days to. So when we talk method, I, I often look <laughs> for three things. And um, in particular, LST, I think, thrives in these three things. And I'm just going to put them up here. And I want you to listen in stories and what we talk about for these pieces of method. Partnership. This is what I think makes LST a very strong method. Partnership. Access and unleashing. Partnership. LST, we are a partnership ministry. We don't go start things. We go work with people. We train people that are interested in going. In French speak, we're a partnership ministry. A church wants to reach out to the immigrants, refugees, or international students in their neighborhood. Well, they have to do it, but we come alongside and we partner. Access. LST and French speaker, access ministry. They help you access people that aren't going to come to your church, probably. And hence the title of our class today, right? I don't care about faith, but I'm interested in what your church is doing. It's an access approach, and that's really important. We've done lots of access things throughout history, right? Puppet shows or um, concerts or door knocking or, you know, what, all kinds of stuff. Uh, sports, I love all of them. And so we add ourselves into that, into that category of access. And then the last one, which I think is important for church leaders and church influencers to hang on to, is unleashing. I think with this method, people are unleashed in sharing their faith, which is something that's really hard to get people to do. All right, I got some pictures. Leslie, do you have the clicker? Are you ready? All right, I got four pictures I want to share today. And Gareth, you're on at number three. Okay, get ready. You're gonna. Um, it's a quiz. Need my autograph. I'll, I'll be. Paying. Yeah, you're on in just a minute. <laughs> three pictures from 2018 that I love. So listen for these three things as we tell about three pictures that I love. Here we go. That is a whiteboard, and. Literally above it on the back wall says, Love Never Fails. So this is a three-hour meeting that I had with a team of uh, leaders, okay? Now, we were discussing what would it be like to bring a Let's Start Talking team to this place. They've never had Let's Start Talking. So we just, we were working, and we just put things on the whiteboard, and I took a snapshot of it, and I, I loved it. The team that we would send was two to four people. Um, we would want the church to host parties for us every week. Um, you know, we would bring a team for two to six weeks. I didn't know how long we'd be. Longer's always good. We love that. Uh, we always talk about what about after the project. We'd have to plan with the leaders. What's their follow-up strategies, right? All those kind of things. You know, and I, because all of them are new, this was a one-on-one -on -one method. Uh, it took them a while to kind of think that through because they were used to like street preaching and then those street preachers being arrested and put in jail. 
Okay, that was their method. That they, they were like, wow, this is really interesting. We, we felt like we could start at 11. We ended up starting later than that, didn't we, Leslie, with stuff. But they, these, anyway. Um, we couldn't come in February. The summer was good. We couldn't come because of the Lunar New Year. Uh, we were talking about where to live. This was the whiteboard that created our first team in Hanoi, Vietnam. And the guys just got back four weeks ago. Oh, man. That day I got to sit with Vietnamese leaders of this ministry. And they said, we think this will bring people to Christ. And it's an English club in a university of 45,000 people. And they're kind of off campus a little bit. They got arrested a couple times. But once they got a license, they actually could be a club. Like I say, they'd all spend some time in prison. Any of you spend any time in prison for opening your church door? But they got a license, so now they can kind of do this stuff. I was a little nervous about, am I sending four guys from the Hills Church of Christ, North Richmond Hills to prison? You know, they were like, no, 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 they won't put Americans. We won that war. They would laugh. Oh, they, would just laugh. <laughs> and they don't call it the Vietnam War, right? They say, yeah, the American War. That's a long time ago. They didn't, you know, these were all new people. And we sent uh, four guys to Vietnam. So I got to tell you what, right? You got to have a method. Just got to have a method. And for us, it's a partnership with this group of churches, underground churches in Vietnam, right? Underground, all their pastors have been put in prison, but right at the moment, the government kind of lets them go. Partnership. <laughs> Access, um, getting access to people that they couldn't get access to. They're totally intrigued by English. Now, they all know it, but it was an American thing, right? Have Americans come up and help practice their English? That's crazy. And, and these four guys that we sent, we didn't have to unleash, because these were, these were four of the great leaders at the Hills. But they were unleashed, because they had a great time. And let me tell you just a couple of their stories. One of them. Flew transport planes in and out of the Vietnam War, the American War, whatever it was. Uh, one of them, Ron Holland, some of you may know, he, he helped transport diplomats back and forth during the peacetime. He wanted to go. When I told him about it, he says, yeah, I'd like to go back to Vietnam without a uniform this time. He said, I want to go back and do something for Jesus. Two of the guys helped make the airplane systems that were used over in bombing North Vietnam. This was part of their story but isn't that powerful and it's just one of my favorite pictures picture number two that's my son on the right and his girlfriend Katie on the left this is a highly gratuitous picture it has no real deep meaning other I just wanted to tell you take your kids with you on the LST we did last year so it was Kim and I can you imagine, we were a little nervous because we were afraid, we really liked Katie, and we were afraid we would run her off as a four-person team to Vicenza, Italy. But we didn't run her off, did we? We were on our best, we on our best behavior for three weeks. It was really hard. <laughs> but we, I think we pulled it off. We, we love families. We want families to go. You know, that's it. That, gratuitous. I just want, that's one of my favorite pictures of 2018. One more, Leslie. This is where you're on, Garth. Hey, turn the lights off back there, would you? Here, in just a second. This is one of my favorite pictures of last year. Garth, you want to take a run? Gareth, you want to take a run? Yeah, this is uh, Arlo and Hazel. 
uh, Arlo and ha Hazel's 94. Yep. And uh, she came to us one year, she was widowed. And the next year she came back, she was married. <laughs> so uh, we, they were kind of lovebirds. We had to keep them apart. You know, they were kissy, kissy, kissy. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> they were great. And they're studying with uh, our teaching here, um, a woman from Sri Lanka. And um, they built a really good relationship with her in the two weeks that they were there. Trusting relationship. Um, that I never thought would uh, go any further um, because of the, you could tell the devoutness that she has to her Muslim faith, uh, the uh, reader. But uh, she was the very first one at the end of the summer that asked, when can I come back? And um, so, Lord willing, we're going to have her back this, this summer. But, um, and Hazel and Arlo will be coming to us again from Kansas July 13th through the 27th. And she's 94. Gareth, I should have. Where are you from? I am from West Springfield, Massachusetts. So this is in America. See the burqa? Just see. Sri Lanka, is that right? What would you say? Sri Lanka. Uh, Muslim faith, right? She's got the Word of God in her hands, an LST book, and I, I was trying to look one day. I, I know it's Luke, but I think it might have been Acts 2, I think. <clears throat> it's the Word of God and planting seed. So I guess you guess why I love this picture. This is in America, guys. This is not Sri Lanka or Vietnam or even this is in America. And while we send teams up that way, you know, it's also French speak because Gareth is there and doing the follow-up. He's the one that's in the nature and in, in the community and engaged with him. Uh, I look at all of these. Uh, Gareth, we feel such an honor to be in partnership with you. We love it. Yeah. And um, access. She wasn't going to come to church, was she? Just off the streets from your great signage. And you got great signage up front. You got all that. She wasn't coming. And then I got to say, what I love is. Uh, Hazel, I was there two, was that two summers ago? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we were there. Bruce and I were there. We're hanging out. And Hazel pulled me aside. She said, I love LST. You know, she's kind of great. You see that smile. She's got an infectious personality. She said, well, I don't know if I should tell this. All right, I'm going to tell this shit. I love LST. She's, she said, I've painted too many houses in my life. I never get to talk about Jesus. I wanted to talk about Jesus. And so here she is, I guess at 91, the first time she came. You know, how's that? How's that? That's a great story. She's a, what? Trouble, she's a troublemaker, though. <laughs> <laughs> she keeps things stirred up, doesn't she? Absolutely. I think she's the most optimistic person I know, getting married at 93 or something. <laughs> One more picture, Leslie. And we're going to hang out here, and I want to make kind of the grand point of raising the evangelistic temperature of your church. Okay, so this is the North Davis Church of Christ in Arlington, Texas, a wonderful church. How big is North Davis? 700? 800? Something like that, wouldn't you say, Mark? I think, surely. Great church. You guys have had relatives there. I know your, your brother-in-law was an elder and all kinds of things. He's good people. These are two pictures that we put together, and I don't know who sent it to us. Uh, How was that? 
Who did? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the church said, hey, you need to see this. Oh, you took them. Oh, you took them. Oh. I just happened to be there and saw it. Well, even better. Okay, so this first picture is on a Sunday morning, and it's fairly early in service, right? They often baptize people at the beginning of service. So you can see lots of people standing around and, and the joy of it all, and it's on the screen up here. North Davis has a thriving French-speak ministry. Ah, uh, 50, 60 people a week. Uh, people do it all over. They'll do it at Starbucks or they'll do it or whatever. But one of their primary times at North Davis is Sunday morning during class. Because at 10 o'clock in the morning, there are tons of Chinese PhDs that are available. Mm -hmm. There it is. That's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. uh, I got tickled. Uh, one of the elders said... We got some flack because here we're doing it Sunday morning at 9, 10 o'clock when they should be having Bible class. But the elder finally said to somebody, says, you know what? You've been learning things all your life. Now do something. Yeah. So I went down to visit one time. I walked in just to look around. I'm kind of the new guy. Rodney Waller said, we don't have time for you to, here, here's your book and here's your guy. And I read Luke with an electrical engineer from China, you know. And by the way, he told me, he says, I think I'm becoming a Christian. My wife doesn't like this, but they're throwing a baby shower for her next week. And so you're talking about a special church, and they're sending Christians back to China. I didn't really explain the picture yet, though, very well. So here they are, probably, I mean, I think they do, I think they do French speak at 9 o'clock and 10 But at the beginning of church, when the French speak thing is over, which is all in their classrooms on the second level, Look at all these French-speak readers, primarily Chinese and some from the Middle East. They're in the second level balcony, and Leslie caught this picture of them watching what's going on here. This is simultaneous at the same time. And that picture just gets me. The church that has been balanced in calling and unleashing their members to mission. So, I'll just tell you the story. In North Davis, it was Liddell who, again, an older lady, said, you know what, we need to go on this LST thing. It's pretty new. So they started by sending people international. And they send a lot of people every year. How many do they send a year? They, they, they hit a high of 30 to 40 a year, I think, right? I mean, they've sent over 100 people, but uh, oh, yeah. usually in a year, 20. Yeah, and they send them overseas. And that was the impetus and the drive then for people to come home and say, let's do that here. Of course now there are lots of people reading on Sundays or at Starbucks throughout the week or whatever that have not gone overseas, but the impetus came because people got a taste of sharing their faith. So that for the last few minutes is what I kind of want to leave for you today as a seed, as either church leaders or church influencers. Okay. Getting your people on mission is really hard, period. Um, we live in an era of diversity and tolerance in the American culture where it's hard to, it's hard to knock on a door anymore. Uh, to do door knocking in L.A., get you shot. So that's a method that's about gone in our part of the world. We don't just do those things anymore. 
in an era of tolerance and diversity, it's hard to say things that are, it's difficult to say things that are hard, right? Or to imply that your, you know, way of life. Is, so I just think it's a hard era in our churches and all of Christendom to get the average person in the pew, so to speak, to have any place where they're sharing about Jesus in some way. So, as a fellow church leader and influencer with you, because I'm not a, I'm not a church leader now at the Hills. You know, there's five, six thousand of us. You know, but the Hill sends all kinds of people every year to do these kind of things because they also get that they've got to get their people out. Got to get their people out. So whatever methods you can find as church leaders to get your people out is a victory. Whatever method you can find to get your people to share their faith, that's a victory. Remember, this is a, this is a model that is built around, there, there, there's a thousand methods. This is one method that is built around sharing faith in the English context, right? Sharing, sharing our English. But it's a method. And internationally, it gets people out. We train hard. We, we do all that kind of support work and background work. We work with churches around the world that'll prepare for you. They'll advertise and all kinds of stuff. But if you can get your people in a cross-cultural environment and situation, all of a sudden their faith enlarges and it grows. So how do you get people to go around the corner? Because that's around the world. How do you get people to go around the corner to do that? Well, I think it's important to send people on long, uh, on international things. I just think that's important. Because then you start to create a community of faith sharing in a method, right? And, and that's important. And so, we have seen just an explosion of French speak, but it's come from people that have gone and shared their faith in a cross-cultural hard context. And it does something to people when they do that. But it does something to people when they do it around the corner too. There are people, I just, we hear, we're, we're overloaded, we're overstimulated with stories of success in our office. Just people all over the world, but all around America, that are reaching people that aren't going to come to your church otherwise. Uh, refugees, immigrants, international students, right? Uh, people that have been displaced either out of tragedy or out of goodness. The First Colony Church of Christ in Houston has about 125 to 150 people coming every week. PhDs to refugees. Everything in between. International students doctorates to undergrads that are coming. Burkas, you, know, you name it. Last time I was there, a guy was baptized from Japan before he went home because he wanted to go. He found Jesus here, right? You know, that kind of stuff. So I lay out as a fellow church influencer and to those of you who are church leaders, A, find methods that work to get your people out sharing faith. This one works this one works. It really does. I'm guessing that in your neighborhoods, you've got all kinds of people that would, 
are looking for English acquisition. It's important for them because they need it for skills and jobs and education, right? They need that. They've got to have it. Uh, uh, North Davis, they throw baby showers. They have birthday parties. Uh, Rodney, who I mentioned earlier, one family came from China to visit and they stayed for a month in their home. I'm not saying that's great necessarily, but they, you know, and, but it was great because that guy was thinking about becoming a Christian and that family wanted to see what Christians looked like before they gave their blessing, right? Does that not raise the evangelistic temperature of your church if you have that going on? Uh, Julie, who works in our office, goes to North Davis. I don't know which door it was, but she said the day the first family, the first Muslim family that came to church on Sunday, they got there five minutes late. They said they walked in and started coming down, you know, head, head wraps, right? You know, the whole thing. And Julie said that half of the church almost stopped singing. They were like, oh, well, huh. And they came and they sat down and just crazy stuff. It raises the evangelistic temperature of the church. Getting your people out. And then in your own neighborhoods, getting your people out. And that's why we love, um, that's why we love what we're doing. Gareth, that's why we love partnership with you, my friend. It's done good things for your church, hasn't it? It's just raised that level of temperature all the way around. We've got about five minutes, and um, I know, who all has gone on either LST or done Friends Speak? Yeah. So it's kind of nice to have a hometown crowd. Uh, say nice things, those of you who've gone or done before. Any validation statements to some of this who, for, for those who are here kind of looking, exploring, and, and thinking a little bit? Yeah. Yep. I have a validation statement. <laughs> I went on my first LST trip last September, October, yeah. six weeks. Yeah. And on the way on the plane over, I'm thinking, oh, I hope I don't have to teach a lesson on relative. Revelation to a crowd of a hundred because I didn't really fully understand what it was all about. The minute I sat down with my first reader, my heart told me this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Cool. Doesn't it do something to your soul? Wonderful. Yeah. I had to wait till I retire. So yeah. I had that window of time to go. To be able to go that long? Mm -hmm. Josh, you went when you were here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a great experience. And Friendspeak has really transformed our church. Yep. We always have 15 to 20, and we're just a little church of 130. So anybody can do this. Uh, I want to add another benefit, though, yep. that Scott didn't uh, mention, and maybe you don't even know about. But uh, people, I, I train these volunteers, and then they start using the skills these non-confrontational Bible study skills with yep. Americans. Yep. And yep. Uh, we've got uh, a lady who is trained in it. She's studying with her husband right now who's not a Christian. And uh, she said, yeah, I just, I use the same thing except I don't do the vocabulary. <laughs> uh, and, and it works. And then we've got guys that, uh, a guy who's a brand new Christian who's an American who's a tutor now too. So it'll really transform like like you're saying, it will raise the evangelistic temperature. You will get new international students, but also your Americans will start yep. start sharing with other yep. Americans. That's right. Uh, which is awesome. That's right. That's right. Uh, so yeah, so, I, um, we 
we've been involved in LST for years and years, and, and then we did Friends Speak at our church in yeah. Detroit, Michigan um, for about nine years. And um, we, we stopped doing Friends Speak about nine years ago. But something happened last week that, that I think you guys ought to know about. I want Janine to tell the story because she, she is the one that uh, <laughs> it was told to. So, yeah. yeah, you're on the spot. Yeah. Well, um, I have a friend. They, they attend a, um, a church across town. And she had been a friend speak partner. And her husband um, was dying of cancer. And so she had tried to call me and she had said, I need to tell you a friend speak story. Mm. And I said, okay, well, you know, I know all this is going on. And we played phone tag and, and I called and, and she let me know that her husband had passed away just an hour before. And I said, oh, please, let's talk another time. I'm so sorry. And she said, oh, no, no, no. I want to tell you because this was a highlight of this short period of time when Jeff was suffering is that um, we, we were in the oncology unit. Um, at the hospital and um, there was a woman that recognized our name and came over and um, had a conversation. She said, hi Molly, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Suzanne. About 10 years ago, you studied the, um, studied the Bible with me and, and taught me English and I am now the, uh, your onco or I'm the oncology doctor here at the hospital. And I just want you to know that at that point, I, I, didn't, I was afraid to go to the grocery store and you all helped me figure out how to, how to shop, how to get my license, how to do all the things that, that I was very scared to do, and, and it got me started into this path. And now I'm here for you in any cool. way that I can help you um, as you're going through this, you know, this period of time with your husband. Uh, Scott, I think the important takeaway from that is, you know, we, our tendency is to think that baptism is the mark of success. Right. Right. And and Susanna has has never been baptized, uh, but she has, and she probably always has had this tender heart for people. But the fact that she attributes the time that she spent with Molly and in Friends Speak to not only helping her learn English but helping her survive oh. in this culture to and becoming someone who whose job it is to either save lives or walk people through a very dark time in their life oh, uh, was just, I mean, that's that's a success story wow. for us. And is that not planting seeds and planting yeah, Jesus in her yeah. to be able to live? Yeah. We're going to capture that story. <laughs> well, Craig, come on up here. and Craig's going to wrap us up here. I uh, Today was what? Tomorrow's a little more how. And on Friday, if you're not out body surfing, come back and we'll talk a lot about the why and continue some of this dialogue about what it does for your trip. Pete and Janine, thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, thank you for your kind words. Thanks for staying a little bit late. Um, so in, in many ways, we're making the case. Yeah, you can turn the lights on there. Um, that means you have to wake up if you're asleep right now. So. Uh, lots of good numbers and stories here. Uh, I think what I want to communicate as we're ending is just one of the beautiful things that Mark and Sherry Lee did in the early 80s was certainly recognize the impulse that we all have. One of the reasons that we are leaning in to these stories is, is it's, it's hitting us right at the heart. We, 
we under, we all share that impulse to connect. We want to connect. We want to share. And certainly, Mark and Shirley recognize that in their work in the '80s. But they were really also willing to re wrestle with that question of, well, so how can we? How can we connect? How could how could each of us do it? Not just people who are really really smart and know lots and lots of Bible or have certain degrees or certain skills, but how could we, how could each of us connect and meet that impulse that we have, which is shared also by the people we call our readers, our international friends. They, they too want to connect. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow we're going to talk about that is, is the how to, how, how can we do that? Um, we really just do one thing at Let's Start Talking. We help people have life-changing conversations across the street and around the world and so we've got some good materials some great training and personnel to do that but that's really what we spend our time doing is helping people every just like every one of you and your churches connect with people that you want to connect with so tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about how to do that I want to end with some words I think will resonate with you out of Psalm 67 as a prayer and then we'll we'll be excused may your ways be known throughout the earth your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. Amen. Amen. Have a good afternoon and evening. Thank you. Thanks.